0: Upworthy Weekly, delivering the best of humanity every Saturday. Here's your hosts, Allison Rosen and Todd Perry.
1: Hello, everybody. This is Upworthy Weekly. My name is Todd Perry, a staff writer here at Upworthy. And with me is the wonderful, relaxed, and ready to go on vacation, Allison Rosen. <laughs> You know her as the host of the super popular podcast, Allison Rosen, is your new best friend.
2: Hello. Uh, Question. Mm. What is the appropriate timeline to be packed when you are going on vacation and you have two little kids? Because we're leaving tomorrow morning. We have an early morning flight. And you, Todd, are the four millionth person who said to me, are you all packed? And, uh, And I know you... I love you, and I know that this is a perfectly common, normal question, uh, but it, it's akin to when someone says to someone who is going to be graduating that year, Oh, what are you going to do after you graduate? Uh, and and the, the question just causes trauma. You have traumatized. I'm gonna get on TikTok and I'm gonna talk about the emotional damage of this question. Are you all packed? Because as you can tell from my answer, no, I'm not. Would you be all packed at this point?
1: Uh, I would not. My wife would okay. have like the kid packed, and mm-hmm. I would basically just chuck everything into a suitcase ten minutes before we leave. Is kind of how really? how I roll. Or I might. There might be a couple incidentals I leave out. At night, like next to my wallet, like things like I can't travel without, which would be like a book and like a phone charger, you know, anything else, you know, I may not be able to find that book. I may not be able to charge the phone and then we'll be screwed. Uh, So I'll leave out some really important stuff the night before. Then the rest of it, just like socks, swim trunks, sunscreen. I'm getting
2: a vibe of the kind of traveler you are and I'm getting like a real casual you roll onto the plane with a magazine rolled up on that, and it's like shoved into a pocket on the outside of your carry-on, and you wear flip-flops. Is that you?
1: Yeah, I'm the one with the stinky feet on there. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm i the guy who could travel around the world if I just had like a credit card in my pocket, you know, yes. barefoot. Who
2: are these? That's not me at all. I, I, I overpack but I'm also kind of stressed and last minute about things, but I'm not casual and calm and collected like you are. Cause I don't do my, my bathroom post shower meditation. <laughs> I'm just wondering who are the people who are packed that far in advance? And also are they rolling their clothing? Are they folding? What's their, what are their secrets? What are their tips?
1: You know, I think these are the type of people that when they actually get to the vacation, they don't actually enjoy the vacation because the whole point is checking the dots on, on the vacation, like checking the boxes on the vacation. Yeah. Oh, we're going to get a review on that. Todd said checking the dots, not. Um, right. But so yeah. and those are the people that were like, you're like, how was Dotting you?
2: the I's and crossing the T's. Is that where you were going with that? Uh,
1: something. Those are the people that when they get on their vacation and they come back and you go, oh, how was Hawaii? And they go, you know what? The flight was great. We were able to get in at the restaurants we wanted to get into, the hotel room that the doors operated well. Like the 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 whole thing is just mitigating any stress and not Mm -hmm. actually enjoying the trip. You know, they don't go. Oh yeah, we saw the waterfall. It was more like we got an early lunch. You know, Mm. it's that type of traveler. Now I didn't didn't even
2: think. I didn't even think about being worried about the doors not operating as expected. (laughs) (laughs) What could
1: go wrong with the doors, Todd? Maybe that was a lame example, Allison. <laughs> Are you talking about some kind of key card snafu? Yeah. You know, you get up there. Maybe you've had one too many Mai Tais, yes. and you're trying to get in the no. room. And you're like, I can't. And then my wife I looks hate- at It just, just just turns red. The little dots turn red. I hate that. It's a constant failure. Then you're like, am I at the right room? You know? Oh, God. Oh, did I do? De-
2: they, they do all look the same. No matter what. You know, you could be on at your door on the wrong floor. Mm-hmm.
1: Or there's that, like, conspiracy theory. You start going in your mind of, like, did I demagnetize it? Yes. Was I near anything magnetic between here? You start retracing your steps, and then Mm -hmm. I accidentally say to my wife, did I demagnetize it? And she goes, no, you're an idiot. Just walk downstairs. You know.
2: Did you rub it against the arm that you got your vaccine in? Oh. Have you thought about that? Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. See what I'm saying? Mm Mm-hmm.
1: On today's show, uh, we're going to review some of Upworthy's most popular and engaging stories from March 21st to the 25th. We've got some stuff on parenting, a cool celebrity sighting. I did an interview that I'm proud about that I want to talk a little bit about. And uh, we're going to talk about the things that men love. And we've got a story about a pet. Now, is this a dog or a cat? I don't know, Allison Rosen. Tell the people. Well, I
2: have a hunch, I have a hunch it's about a dog, just because given our track record of only covering dogs, not really covering cats, uh, and we've received a lot of feedback from listeners, they're not very happy with us. We've been accused of uh, centering dogs in mm-hmm. our show. Mm-hmm. And I think that they're they have a fair point. In fact, I talked about that on an episode of Allison Rosen is your new best friend that has not aired yet. But we got into it because this has now this sort of like you are biased against cats thing has now followed me to a few different shows. And I am not. But I feel like it's a pattern in my life where I'm surrounded by people who are actually when push comes to shove, they're a little bit anti-cat. And yes, I'm talking about you, Todd, A, Perry. I know know it hurts because it's true.
1: I don't know. Some people got at me about how there haven't been many cat stories. And then also there happened to be a a potential animal abuse story we talked about on the last episode. But I want to assure everybody that I'm a friend of the cats and I'm in the bosom of the feline community. Okay.
2: I mean, words are cheap. I'm going to need to see pics or it didn't happen.
1: So, is your next story about a dog or a cat? It's about a dog.
2: Listen, listen, I, I would like to tell you about this because there's a lot to enjoy about this story. A gay couple adopts dog that was dumped by owners at shelter for being, quote, gay. This is by Seth Rahman S., and it ran on Wednesday. So, uh, it's just so much to appreciate. A North Carolina couple dumped their adopted dog, Fezco. After they saw this dog humping another dog and they decided, this dog is gay. We don't want him anymore. Oh, man. So they returned the dog. This story made local news. Uh, I got to st- see a clip of this story on the local news and it had that wonderful local news pattern of like, you think you've seen everything till this.
1: Tonight, a local dog shelter or lo- a local shelter dog rather is looking for a soft landing after being dumped by his owners because they say he's gay.
2: Thought you heard it all, right? Um, so anyway, uh, a-, a wonderful gay couple saw this and they were like, we want to adopt that dog. Uh, and they adopted him. They renamed him Oscar uh, after Oscar Wilde, playwright, who also gay. Uh, they said that they related to his story, having also faced homophobia. Um, and now Oscar has a not only does he have loving parents, but he has a playmate in the form of Harry, who is a terrier chihuahua playmate or hump buddy you decide uh and in the story that ran on upworthy um they quote gary landsberg who's a veterinary behaviorist who explains that humping or mounting is normal dog behavior it does not mean that your dog is gay although homosexuality is not uncommon in the animal kingdom. Um, So anyway, here's what uh, Dr. Landsberg says. It can become enjoyable or a normal part of a dog's day to mount or hump dogs. Mm -hmm. Um, So the dog keeps doing it. It's the same as jumping up or barking at the door. Um, And then the article goes on to say, it's not uncommon for an animal to be gay either. According to Scientific American, homosexuality is common practice in the animal kingdom. If you thought it was a one-off case, you couldn't be more wrong. Quote, such same-sex... Sexual behavior can include mounting, courting through songs, and other signals. I have never heard my dogs sing, Mm -mm. and that makes me sad. Genital licking or releasing sperm, and has been observed in over 1,500 animal species, from primates to sea stars, bats to damn selfies. What are damn selfies? Snakes to nematode worms.
1: Hmm. I mean, I could see the starfish being gay. But a nematode worm. Because it's, it's fabulous? Yeah.
2: Oh, no, sorry. Oops, it's not damn selfies. That just shows that I spend too much time taking selfies. It's damselflies. <laughs> <laughs> damselflies. <laughs> God, damn selfies would be so much cooler. It's damselflies. But you go, gay damselflies. I, I like
1: I like the damselflies. Damselflies sounds like an amazing name for potentially somebody on like RuPaul's Drag Race. Yes, you know, Uh, I think this is a wonderful story. I think the one thing where they kind of oversold the happiness was when um, Oscar is going to have a new friend who is a terrier chihuahua mix.
2: Oh, right. Because you have issues with your own scout.
1: Yeah, I have scout who's a Jack Russell terrier and a chihuahua is a yappy ass dog. And you've got terrier, you know, who as yes, they call them sometimes they call them terrorists. Uh, you t- call them that. I know, but my my terrier is, and so you yeah, have that mixed with Chihuahua. It seems like something constantly yappy, something constantly on edge, like not the most loving beast. So I feel like Oscar, if he wants to mount such an animal, it's gonna it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be tough, right, to get on that bull, you know?
2: Maybe. That's part of the fun for him.
1: Um, you ever, you ever think your dog's gay?
2: Well, Wendy, I mean, look, going by, these are broad stereotypes. Yeah. Wendy is not particularly girly. Uh, she doesn't appreciate costumes. She doesn't like bows and all that stuff. And my husband wait, wait, do really, dogs
1: do dogs normally like bows in general? I don't I don't know. But I <laughs> I think no.
2: I, I, I have friends who have dogs and like they'll you know they'll they'll frou-frou them up and they'll like dye their tail and they'll you know put glitter. I don't know. I feel like they make them sort of they, they kind of spruce them up and, and the dog seems to not mind it. And I just feel like to the extent that Wendy can show that she's not into it. She never seems to want to wear clothing or be in... I, don't, I feel like this is not really... There's no... I'm t- taking a real leap to think that, therefore, that might somehow have anything to do with her sexuality. I don't know. I've never... We've never... We've never talked about it. She plays it pretty close to the vest, that Wendy. So okay. I don't know.
0: Okay. You know. I hope
2: one day she feels comfortable enough to let me know
0: which
1: way she you know, how she identifies.
0: Upworthy Upworthy. Weekly.
1: Wales just made spanking illegal, joining more than 60 countries that have outlawed corporal punishment. Parents in Wales can no longer spank, slap, hit, or shake kids, according to a new law outlawing all physical punishments for children. And this is a quote. Until now, children were the only group in our society who was acceptable to strike in certain circumstances. Viv Lang, the policy and public affairs manager at the National Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Children, told the Guardian, uh, "We don't allow the physical punishment of adults or animals, so it's absurd that we have to that we have for so long uh, with children." Uh, some conservatives in the country. Uh, expressed concern that the law would lead to, quote, Stassi culture. for those Stassi from Vanderpump Rules? That's okay. Last show, I said there was a girl on the show whose name started with an S, and you said, like, Stephanie? Oh, Sheena.
2: You said... I'm sorry. No, I said Sheena. That's what I thought you meant, but you clearly meant Stassi. That is my error.
1: Yeah. I had this conversation with my wife. I said, there was this gal named S, and it wasn't. She goes, yeah, it was Stassi.
2: Yeah. But there's also a Sheena, but you meant Stasi.
1: But Stasi culture has nothing to do with a Hollywood restaurant and infighting. Uh it has to do with in I think it was uh East Germany. There is a whole like <laughs> Rat on each this other is culture. Embarrassing.
2: I see. And and like narc culture?
1: Yeah, it was basically like in communist countries, like people would narc on each other because like if your neighbor had a VHS player and they found out and you knew that it had the VHS player, then you'd get in trouble as well. So everybody would narc on each other or they would like do plants like in in somebody's apartment building that would be a narc. Um, So people... The, the people were pushing back against the anti-hitting-your-kid law going, oh, well, people are going to start narking on each other or maybe making up false charges of being a hid- kid slapper or whatever. I
2: mean, it's also hilarious to imagine that it refers to Stasi from Vanderpump Rules because she is a very entitled person. She's a very entitled millennial. So you could make the argument that, that I imagine these people are making as well as like, if we don't strike our children, they're going to become like entitled millenn- you know, insufferable millennials like Stassi. I'm embarrassed that I thought that that's what it meant. Anyway, moving on
1: with, with the Stassi comment. And then earlier the, uh, damn selfies. <laughs> I think you're coming off as a real vulgarian. Okay.
2: I to- know. I'm sorry. You have to put up with the likes of me.
1: To quote Oscar Wilde, from earlier,
2: yeah.
1: mm-hmm. uh, so-
2: Oscar Wilde, the gay dog.
1: <laughs> so, uh, so basically, you can't hit your kid anymore in Wales. So, you know, if your next trip is over there and you you want to beat on your kids a little, it's not going to work. Uh, where do you stand on the topic of spanking, Allison?
2: Wouldn't it be nuts if I was like, I'm in favor of it. Um, I, uh, although there are those people out there and I'm always shocked by that, uh, on childish, my parenting ish podcast, Greg and I have talked about the shocking, you know, there's the statistics are some shocking number of people still feel like it's okay to spank their kids. Um, I'm very opposed to it. I'm both intellectually and emotionally opposed to it. Like mm-hmm. I find it very upsetting and, um, and, I, and I, it makes me very angry, and I just, uh, it just goes against, to me, what parenting is supposed to be about, and I understand there's different philosophies of what parenting is, but just, you know, your children trust you, and they rely on you, and they should feel safe around you, so to me, it's just a betrayal of your role to then inflict pain upon them, so I'm, I'm, I'm very opposed to it, and it's disturbing to me that there are so many countries where it's still okay.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I'd, I'd probably think that probably half of the people that live around here uh, are spanking their are kids. Yeah, and it's weird to me. I'm 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 like you. I'm very much so against it uh, because I just think about the basic dynamics of it. It's like you have a three-year-old kid, and I'm like a six-foot-one guy mm-hmm. with like a big hand, and and I'm gonna sit and like go to town on this kid's butt, like. This seems like a terrible idea, and I think it's just the kind of thing where people don't really think about it. It's just what mm-hmm. what we do as a culture, right. and it's been passed down, and so they defend it. And there's not a lot of I haven't heard a good defense of it. It's, right, it, and there's
2: studies that show that it's really detrimental. There's not I don't believe there's, and I imagine someone might write in and say, "Well, look, you know, look, look at this YouTube video." But I don't believe there's any studies that prove that it's. Effective or has a positive outcome, where there's plenty of studies that show that it's detrimental.
1: Yeah, like if I said, "Oh yeah, I spank my wife," you'd go, "Oh my god, you should be put in jail." Or, yeah, or I
2: hit my dog.
1: Yeah, or I spank my neighbors, or whatever. You know, anybody just running around being indiscriminately violent, and I think it, it, sh- it to me, it teaches kids that violence is a solution for things. Mm-hmm. Uh it shows I think a complete lack of creativity when it comes to being a parent like oh you the threat of violence is the only thing you have. You know, there's so right. many other ways that you know, you can discipline a child or redirect their behavior or plenty of privileges you can take away. Um it feels to me on a gut level like people just want to assert their dominance in the most mm-hmm. basic animalistic way available. Right. Um my my kid has only been spanked I think once, and this was by my wife who's not not pro but she's she's still a little bit in camp. It's kind of okay in mm. extreme circumstances It was we were on vacation in Hawaii, and my kid at like three opened the door, walked out of the hotel room door and walked into the parking lot. And we had oh, tur- turned our back. And mm-hmm. I think in that moment of emotion, it was like, oh, if you're going to use it, it's now. Yeah. you know. And she gave him a good swat on the butt. I mean, she didn't put over the knee and just, you know, say, fetch a switch or anything. But she did that. And I was kind of like, you know, this is not, not what I agree with. But I get in that moment, if you're going to deploy that tactic, it's mm-hmm. probably when to do it. But
2: Right, when you're scared.
1: Yeah. So and i i was i was hit with a pancake turner when i was a kid Re- uh, really yeah like my mom had a sp- like yeah. a
2: spatula or is this a different
1: device yeah like she called it a pancake turner but i think it was she's, she's from the midwest but where people hit their kids but yeah it <laughs> it has holes in it mm. so the metal oh, okay. on your your bare butt cheek the metal with the hole in it that that meant business you know
2: yeah and was that in uh like when when she w- had lost her temper or was it sort of a like your punishment is to be hit with this
1: yeah i don't think she was ever calm <laughs> when okay. i was getting the it was like oh you're getting it now i'm running to the sink you know mm. um yeah and i remember that being unpleasant right
2: right well too bad you weren't in wales cuz it wouldn't have flown there
1: yeah i you know I I prefer to waterboard the kid. <laughs> you know. Uh, it makes me so sad. Box the ears. Jesus. But I got hit by my kindergarten teacher. I remember she used to have this keychain with a snail really? on it. And it was like a wood keychain and if you weren't paying attention to tap like on the back of your head.
2: Yeah, that used to happen in schools. Yeah.
1: I'm not okay with that either. Send your emails to UpworthyWeekly at (laughs) Upworthy.com. Spare the rod, spoil the child, huh? Let's do it. Upworthy
0: Upworthy Upworthy Weekly. A
1: self-aware
2: diagnosed narcissist uses TikTok to share insider view of how narcissists function. This is by Annie Renault, and it ran on Wednesday. So there's this guy, Lee Hammock, who's been diagno- diagnosed with narcissistic personality disorder. Uh, and he's been in therapy for it since 2017, which is interesting because I thought, or I was under the impression that people with narcissistic personality disorder, there's only... I didn't know really that therapy can be effective. And my understanding is actually that it's a spectrum. And I think probably people with extreme personality disorders, therapy might not be that effective. But I guess with he is like very self-aware and and it is helping him. Um, But anyway, he makes these very compelling at times, very funny TikTok videos um, about NPD or narcissistic personality disorder. They're very popular. They're really helpful. Um, and Annie points out that one. So there's sort of the, the there's conflicting statistics, but basically between one and six percent of people um, have narcissistic personality disorder. And the average American knows about 600 people.
3: So, my name is Damon Hammack, I go by Lee, and I am diagnosed with Narcissistic Personality Disorder. The point of my entire platform is to bring awareness to this disorder, and also in the process, get more people into therapy, if possible, and validate the victims and survivors of said disorder. I've been in psychotherapy since October of 2017. Psychotherapy? I'm not a psychopath. So, yes, I'm married, I have three kids, But no, my wife did not force me to go through therapy. Me and her got into a huge, just scream-fest argument. And on the whole way out the door to leave me, she called me a narcissist. She said, it's extremely hard living with a fucking narcissist. And me, knowing it's an insult, I threw it back at her. I said, you're a damn narcissist. Because in my ignorance in 2016, I thought narcissist was just a term that people used against you to say you were full of yourself or you were just too confident and you had a big ego. I had no idea it was an actual diagnosable diagnosable. Personality disorder. Until I got curious, like, why did she call me that? You know, got it. So I typed it in Google, autofill, personality disorder. Start looking up the traits of the personality disorder. I was like, oh my god, the nine traits, so many of them fit me, and I like literally, I almost like started crying because I feel like I've always known I was different. I've always known my my emotions didn't click like everybody else's. I didn't always felt out of place in crowds and stuff like that. I yeah. Love, happiness, all that stuff, kind of escaped me here and there. I've always known I was different, and like I feel like seeing narcissist personality disorder gave me the answers that I've always been looking for. Out. Was...
2: Um, and he also has commented on the Kim and Kanye stuff. Um, oh. To his mind, Kanye is definitely a narcissist, and we have a clip.
3: So I'm not saying that Kanye West is a narcissist, but if he is, this behavior right here, pause to read. This behavior right here. And also, this behavior right here are all techniques that a narcissistic person would do. And if you're new here, I'm a narcissist. I actually have narcissistic personality disorder. So, narcissists in this situation that he's going through with Kim Kardashian, getting divorced, and her breaking up with him and finding somebody else, this behavior right here is obsessive. And it, it makes you think, the victim think in this case, Kim Kardashian, that life would be easier if you just take Kanye back. Uh, Maybe it would be easier and he wouldn't be so public about everything that I'm going through and what I'm doing at birthday parties and my relationship and things like that The relationship wouldn't be perfect, but damn like at least I wouldn't be going through this right now At least I know where he would be at This technique right here is used to exhaust people all the time when you're dealing with narcissistic abuse because it doesn't stop It doesn't it gets it it gets worse. It amplifies and things like that And with Kanye West being such a public figure, he's gonna have people on his side They understand they try to understand where he's coming from. He just fight for his family back, but is he? Is
1: he? Oh, I I definitely, uh, I think Mr. West West. has, I don't know if it's narcissism or... um,
2: Seems almost something more intense, doesn't it?
1: It seems to me, now obviously the worst thing to do is to sit and diagnose somebody from a distance in Mm -hmm. in a media platform, but if I was to bet, I would say, uh, it seems to me like he had manic depressive disorder where he goes... Really up and really kinda mm. goes high and then starts tweeting and you know, kind of blowing up his life and then kind of disappears for a while and then co- right. goes kind of manic and then you hear about him and he's everywhere. Kind of like that Charlie Sheen moment where he had, was going crazy with the tiger's blood and whatnot.
2: Right. And, I think you, you can have a number of of disorders.
1: True. All at once. True. And poor Mr. West probably has multiple. And then the bad thing is that as a society and as a culture, we go, we judge these people like they are they they don't have some kind of issue and and uh-huh. label them in very terrible ways, and react to what they're doing instead of maybe we should go. Oh, I think this person needs help. Needs help, yeah. You know, but I I think this this guy on TikTok is very interesting because he he is out about being a narcissist, which. It seems so counter being a narcissist to admit that mm-hmm. you have some kind of fault.
2: One of the hallmarks of narcissistic personality disorder is that they don't want to admit that there's anything wrong with them. It's very threatening to admit they could have any flaws.
1: Yeah, and they need constant approval and approbation, right. and that's that's going to fly in the face of that. You know, it's, it's funny— Usually, when we think of someone who was a narcissist, it's usually like somebody in the public eye or somebody with some big personality. And lots of times, there's like subtle narcissists amongst us. Like, you notice them on social media when they have this unique way of making everything about them.
4: Mm -hmm.
1: Like, you know, somebody dies and then they're like, make it about me. Let's make it about my grief that that person died. Or when they go somewhere. They don't take a photo of the thing. They take a photo of themselves in front of the thing. At the thing, yeah. You know, totally. or multiple selfies, day in and day <laughs> out, you know, of people looking for, you know, right. tell me I'm pretty or, you know, tell me I'm I'm handsome or whatever. Um, I did- You know, have, who, oh. you know who's
2: a notorious, who are notorious, narcissists, damselflies? Oh, yeah. You know what's weird is I have a similar reaction to the idea of- being a narcissist is like, that's like the last thing I would ever want to be thought of as. Um, But I've had people on my show casually refer to themselves as probably narcissistic, having qualities that are narcissistic. Um, And I'm, I'm always sort of astounded that they so casually say that, you know, and and they say it without any shame, um, which is interesting to me. And it's, it's good, you know, like I, It makes me realize that not everyone feels the way about it that you and but you and I clearly have that same association with it.
1: Well, I think that maybe if you're a narcissist, you don't think anything's wrong with you, right? Or you have a hard time admitting. Right, you just think
2: it's a descriptor.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's just like, oh yeah, yeah, it's just just me and my narcissistic personality disorder acting up again. Right. Sorry, I have no empathy for anyone around here. You know.
2: Yeah. Right. Upworthy Upworthy Weekly. Weekly.
1: A cat saves the lives of 12 elderly people in a nursing home fire. What? Just kidding. Just, just kidding. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we thought you actually thought for a minute that a cat would do something like that, like something so altruistic, something that I involves was... caring for others.
2: I was so excited for all the people who were going to be overjoyed. And I was also surprised, Todd, that you were going to give that to them. Wow.
1: Well, you know, you see the big sign that's above my head. And uh, every day, you know, once a week, I go in with the the dry erase board Mm -hmm. and it goes, you know, last week it said 20 episodes without a cat story and then rubbed it out 21 days without. So the streak continues.
2: Yeah, but then also the I see it looks like a little picture of a cat and then there's a circle and a slash.
1: Don't don't look that way. No. Oh, okay. Don't, don't that means something I, I else. Guess I... <laughs> a female writer jokingly asked, What's a universal thing men like? And the responses were hilarious. Writer and illustrator Aubrey Hirsch jokingly asked her followers on Twitter, What's a universal thing that most men like? Because she was writing a comic and quote just realize, I don't actually know any men in real life. The tweet inspired an avalanche of funny responses. And w- what I liked about this and why I decided to highlight it on Upworthy is there was a lot of knee-jerk responses people could have or they said say, what do men like, they, you know, and bring up some kind of toxic trait. Or mm. what, do, what do men like, uh, I don't know, Pamela Anderson or something. You know, something sexual or something having to do with sports. Like, all these kind of obvious responses. But this mm-hmm. gal... Aubrey Hir- Hirsch 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 <clears throat> Hirsch uh, Obviously she had a bunch of smart followers Because they didn't come up with those basic Kind of cliches And some of the good ones That I hadn't thought about One was watching construction sites Quote, just in case <laughs> Just in case what though? Do I you need to do construction? Well, just in case they're not doing it correctly <laughs> That's funny, you know, or you know, I, you know, I don't, I don't think that's up to code, right there, <laughs> you know. So the guys can critique, you know. I think in, in some ways, like again, we talk a lot about kind of generalities of gender and sexuality on the show, but everyone should appreciate we're having fun here. Um, the uh, <laughs> there's a thing where kind of women, they say women kind of are sometimes catty and try to tear each other down because of looks in ways, Mm -hmm. and I think men will subtly do that in terms of their efficacy as a human being, Mm -hmm. like, oh I saw you putting that uh, 10W40 in your car, did you know maybe I don't know, from my experience the synthetic works a lot better, you know that kind of stuff, Mm -hmm. and I think there's an element of this where the guys want to catch somebody doing something wrong at the construction site, and in Italy there's a name for it, and they're called an umarel. (sighs) you know uh, another thing was throwing big rocks off of cliffs into lakes. <laughs> and yes, I bet many times I've been on a cliff and thought, man, if I had a big rock right now, how satisfying would it be to see the <laughs> splash and how far could I get it? And I, I I bet I could do better than this guy right here, you know? <laughs> um, and I'm sure that's some kind of, you know, latent evolution you know hunting thing uh, another one i thought was very funny was standing while watching tv <laughs> yes i i've seen this and this is more i think older guys tend to do this where they're walking into the room and then they stop and then they'll stand for a, like a half hour maybe just sitting there with a beer yes watching something check it out and i realized i started doing this recently It was and I think it's when, like, there's commotion going on in the house, like, you know, when you have kid, wife, and and it's it's almost my my body language saying this is important. Mm. Like, I have stood up, and I'm now getting closer and closer to the television, so the picture <laughs> is bigger and bigger, and I'm probably getting some kind of radiation. Uh, that that I've done, and I found myself doing more and more recently, and I don't know what it's about, but I'm just I'm just drawn to it. Another one was memorizing favorite lines from their favorite movies and then reciting them (laughs) with their friends. Uh, Yeah, I've done this. I think I've had entire relationships with men where we don't talk about anything. We just recite The Big Lebowski (laughs) or Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And it drives my wife up the wall. Mm -hmm. And does this drive you up the wall? Are you in a movie quoter?
2: Um. No, I'm not a huge movie quoter. If I if I get the references, then it doesn't. But if I don't get them, then it can begin to drive me nuts.
1: Yeah, yeah. Your husband Daniel? I'd assume he's a big movie quoter.
2: You know, I really haven't heard him do a ton of it, but you'd think he would be. I feel like he probably has a secret life of quoting movies that I don't that I'm not privy to. Because mm. I could totally see him doing it, but I I haven't heard a lot of it.
1: Mm. He's just doing it on the slide. It's like, okay, Allison's not around. let's right. let's go through enemy mine or whatever. one <laughs> um, I was thinking of some myself that I've noticed I always get memes and multiple memes from guys send me memes, but none of my female friends like ever send me memes mm. and even if they are funny, whatever, I've never received a-, a meme like my wife has never sent me a meme ever maybe like. Yeah. Once since cell phones were invented, you know, are are women memeing each other? Are you sending memes with your friends?
2: No, I don't think I've ever sent a meme or received a meme from one of my female friends. We are on a group chat with another couple and we receive memes from the guy Mm -hmm. and they're funny. Yeah, but yeah, you're right.
1: Memes are funny. Only
2: men send memes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, In another one, I thought it was like things that universal amongst men, and it's not knowing anything about their friends, significant others, or children. (laughs) And like my wife, I'll go out with a friend. Like I remember my good friend, Mark Chambers, and to his girlfriend, take this in the spirit it's intended. Uh, All right. One of my closest friends lived with a woman in the UK for like a year, and then came out to California- And then, like, the day I was meeting him at Disneyland, the day I met him at Disneyland, I had to text him, and I was like, dude, what's your girlfriend's name? (laughs) Like, Had he
2: not told you, or you just didn't know? He never told me. He,
1: (laughs) he, He just, he was like, oh, yeah. And it wasn't like I was, I didn't know. I, uh. I, I didn't know. You know, it's right. not like I forgot or didn't care. Yeah. He just always says my girlfriend, but he says that about like the last three of them. So I don't know where <laughs> one ends and one begins or whether is this the one right. who had the snake or is this the one that doesn't have the snake? Whatever. So <laughs> I thought the, and then my wife will ask me, How are things going between so and so and so and so? And I go, I don't know. She goes, Well you saw him last night. I go, Yeah, you bring her up. What what's mm-hmm. her name? I don't know. It's, that is
2: so, yes, that is so classically dude.
1: Yeah. Or the the, the the thing I am guilty about is sometimes I forget the names of my friend's children. <laughs> and it'll even be a close friend. And like before we go to their house, I'm like on Facebook, like what's, what's the boy's <laughs> name? I'll go to my wife. What's the boy's name? What's, you know. I'm sorry. Is
2: that, do you feel like that's a man thing though? Or is that an age thing?
1: What? is because I'm I, well I don't that. know how how, how old not, am I old or am I young
2: no oh I meant it in an old way no offense oh, I'm just saying <laughs> well because I'm just saying I also well except that I don't do that really but I find that I like right before seeing someone uh even though I, I know I know their name I will get this sudden name panic where I like question am I am I sure that I know their name mm. So I'm just wondering, I don't know what that is. I'm wondering if it's as we get older, we're starting to like lose names or something.
1: Uh, You know, and speaking of age, I I had this moment about two years ago. um, There was like a drought in the, you know, in Southern California. And then we went through like a week where just torrential rains and people like surfing in the street out here. Like, and I remember sitting down in my office and I could see my neighbor's house and I looked up at his rain gutters. And I, I said out loud, I said, I don't think those are going to hold. And I thought, oh, my God, I just became a middle-aged man where I legitimately <laughs> was concerned about my neighbor's rain gutters. You know? <laughs> and I was like, I'm not going to tell them. Those are coming down.
2: <laughs> you know, and I, and I, did they?
1: I, think they? I think they held up. But I was sure of it. I was almost waiting for them to collapse. So mm-hmm. I would get this sense of like I, pr- I knew that was going to happen. But I'd tell my wife, told you, told you about those rain gutters. You needed to do something <laughs> about that.
2: my husband over purchases at home depot or there's like a i think it's more of a mom and pop but it's big um what is it like a hardware store it's like a i think it's what is it is it called diy maybe it's not mom and pop but it's it's we don't go to Home Depot that often, but there's, like, a local version of that. Um, watch. It's, like, a national... Cha- who cares about yeah. the... It doesn't matter. I'm getting so sidetracked. Um, I'm not blaming you for that. I'm blaming my own brain, which is taking me in that direction. Anyway, he'll go to a place like this, and he'll co- come home with, like, way, like a car full of stuff for a project that I'm not sure he's ever going to do <laughs> repeatedly. And that feels like a very male thing to me.
1: Mm, I'm going to have to get some of these. Uh Yes. Well, I don't know if they have the twelve watt converters. I'm gonna need. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, you know. And I, then
2: because I, I don't recognize any of it, so I'm like, okay. Yeah. I guess you need whatever that is.
1: Yeah, and yeah, because you don't you don't want to get too involved. In anyway. Right. <laughs> I, I. You know. I. I cried when they shut down the Radio Shack up the street. I know that was mm. not a young guy move. You know.
0: Upworthy, Upworthy Weekly. Weekly. It's time to rate your week. Have something great happen this week that you just have to share with the world? Tell us about it by emailing us at upworthyweekly at upworthy.com.
1: So, Allison. Yes? On a scale of one through five, one being horrifying and five being transplendent, rate your week. I'm going
2: to give this week a four despite the fact that I'm gripped with pre-travel stress right now. Um, but it was a pretty good week. I have reconnected with one of my good friends from college. We had lost touch. We all kind of scattered out. It's funny. I don't know how it was for you, but I had this tight group of friends in college. And then I was sort of surprised that that... I think I would have expected that those would have been my lifelong friends that I stayed in close contact with. So then I was surprised when a, it became different people in my life that were the ones that I lived with and that I stayed in close contact with people that I knew through work or various other things. Um and I just kind of, you know, periodically I would talk to those those college friends, but I was always like it's weird that that was not that core group of friends. weren't those were that, those were not the people that I stayed tight with. And so um Weirdly, I have been having these recurring dreams where I'm back in college, but I'm like the me now. And I think, you know, it's weird that I'm back here, but at least I can, you know, like, oh, I've got it's it's dinner time. Time to go to the dining hall. Well, I can get in touch with these friends who are also here. But then, like, I have trouble finding their number. And um, and there's always some stress about trying to get back in touch with them. Well, anyway, I have gotten back in touch oh. with one of them and we've been exchanging emails and then now we've been exchanging voice memos. She lives in Spain. Um but it's been so much fun. It's like I don't know. It's almost the feeling that I used to have when I would have a new crush of of like this like I just feel so delighted to be back in touch with this person Ooh. that it is making me rate my week very
1: highly. Oh, that's wonderful. That's good. Yeah, Rekindling friendships, right? That's
2: Yeah. I uh it's just uh I don't I don't know if uh, my advice if there's anyone out there that you are also thinking this person I miss them they knew me at such a pivotal time of my life we had such fun together and all these years have interceded I say go find them
1: That's right Yeah uh are you uh, a better person? No, go ahead. Oh.
2: Um every time we do this I forget the order that we do it in one of these days, Todd, mm. I will remember. It's okay. Um, I think I am a little bit of a better person because in addition to rekindling a friendship, I went, th- so I'm, I can be kind of a pack rat mm. and I just got tired of the state of my closet, which was, had just like a lot of stuff was just thrown in there and just piles of stuff. And I was just like, I can't take it. So I just like grabbed some piles of stuff, you know, big clouds of dust <laughs> hoofed up. When I lifted it up, I brought it out, went through it. Um, and threw away a lot of old stuff. Uh, not in the Marie Kondo. I, I have issues with Marie Kondo, even though her, her way works for a lot of people, but just things that like, I had been hanging on, to, like this pair of sweatpants that I wore for so long. And I, I think I had this, this emotional attachment to them. And I looked at them and I'm like, I don't need to hang on to these anymore. I'm ready to let these, I'm ready to make room for new sweatpants. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, you know,
1: and... You're not going to uh, miss them. You're not going to miss them.
2: Right. No. And, uh, you know, this pair of black jeans that I I loved a long time ago and I am ready to let them go as well. Things like that. I know it sounds very silly, but for me, uh, I think I just feel like it was sort of like symbolic and good for me to like kind of excavate some old stuff, get rid of it. And, um, cause I think that having a bunch of stuff just sitting in piles, I think probably, uh, was symbolic of like, there's stuff I'm not dealing with. Yeah. Um, So I feel good about that, and I feel like it's sort of tied. It's um, kind of uh, uh, related in a way to like rekindling this old friendship and stuff. It's all together. So I do feel like I'm a little bit a better person.
1: I I I had a similar situation where I had to confront my large VHS collection. Mm. I had gone many years. No, uh, about two months ago. it was, it was time to clean out the garage, and I I have a lot of VHS tapes. I, I have a lot, and, or I had a lot. And I was like, I think I need to get rid of all these VHS tapes. And I threw them out. Like I put them out on the street. Somebody picked them up. And, uh, you know, congratulations. You got a 30-year-old copy of Dune. And <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God. this I feel like it's going to hurt me. And then, like, the next day, I didn't even think about it. Yeah. And that's like, we're attached to these things and you get rid of it. You're like, "Eh, I'm worried about it. So that was a good lesson for me to learn. And you know, now there's some guy watching a non letterbox version of Dune. So, you know, it's good. It is, it's
2: tough letting go of stuff, especially if you've ever had the experience of giving something away or throwing something away. And then afterwards you're like, Oh, I really want that thing. It's like the times it's like, I always want to avoid that, but in the service of avoiding that I hang on to so much crap. Um, yeah. More often than not, you don't miss it. Todd, are you a better... Per- uh, sorry. Excuse me. Todd, how was your week on a scale of one being just truly awful and five being transcendent?
1: Uh, I'm going to give it a 3.5 because okay. I had a really wonderful moment with my son over the weekend. Um, my wife is busy, so I took my kid to Knott's Berry Farm, local amusement park. Nice. Uh, we have passes. So, you know, she was busy doing stuff. So I said, I'll just take the kid to Knott's. And uh, we got there when the park opened. So people hadn't filtered out throughout the whole park yet. You know, they're kind of m- m- lingering around the entryway or whatever. So I was walking with my son and trying to take him to get on like the Camp Snoopy rides before the other kids got in line, you know. And as we're walking over there, there's this girl who's kind of by herself, about seven years old, and she had a little bubble machine. Like a a wand thing you stuck on the ground and it just makes bubbles. And my kid is like a bubble addict. And so (laughs) he saw the bubbles and him and the little girl just started playing together. Like, Like they were doing a dance they had known throughout... History, You know, it was like they just got in there and started dancing around the bubbles and he chased her with the bubbles and put it in her hair. And at first I was in, let's get to the rides mode, you know, that kind of thing. I said, oh, stop. This is a beautiful moment. And then I just kind of walked backwards and let them have their space. And, you know, and then I turned to like the mother and she was she was really sweet She's a real kind of high energy mom oh my god what passes do you have do you have the silver passes or do you have the gold passes we have the silver <laughs> passes because the silver passes get you and there are no blackout dates I'm telling you no blackout dates so we got over here You know, it was one of these kind of things but she was very sweet and the kids just played to the bubbles went away and it was like watching the end of summer, you know, for 30 minutes. And uh, yeah, it was just the sweetest thing. And then I turned to the mom and I was like, let me get your number. We're going to do some stuff. But later on, let's go on a ride together so they can hang. And later they, they hung out and I just hung out with the parents and I, they don't know anything about me. You know It's great though I'm just talking to them I don't don't want to talk about me You know And (laughs) we just hung And the kids played And it was a nice day And um, I got to like They went to the arcade And so then I got to Pawn my kid off on the parents I'm going to get a beer (laughs) And so uh, It was a really so sweet It was a sweet day One of those like perfect You know Not all days as a parent are perfect Mm -mm. But there's those sweet moments Where you just want to freeze time Yes, and you go up. Oh, this is what it's all about, you know. Yes, and I had one of those moments, and I was like, "Oh God!" And he cherishes. Okay, don't, don't, don't film it. No, just watch, just let them have their thing. So, and then he started asking me, "Can can I, can Gianna come over?" I said, "We'll see. Aww. We'll see. I think they're gonna get married. I think she's perfect for him. She's kind of bossy. He needs that in his life." <laughs> Okay. Uh, another reason it was great is I did an interview this week uh, with a guy by the name of Max patrick schlinger and i had seen something he wrote on medium it was a place on how social media actually when we think we're going to it to have fun uh, it actually makes us more bored and listless and zaps oh, our emotional energy so i read this piece and it was called the cargo coit uh, the cargo Colt of the ennui engine little French word. It rolls off there? the tongue. Yes. And uh, so I read the piece and I really liked it. And so I talked to my editor and I said, I want to interview this guy because I think he's onto something. It was like one of those moments where somebody finally put into words a feeling you had. Yeah. Kind of thing. So I did an interview with him. And I want to actually play a minute or two of it because it wasn't intended to be on a podcast. I was just recording the interview. And the interview went so great that I texted him. I said, hey, can I play like two minutes of that interview on here? So we're going to shove the show just full of stuff today. And here's a moment with me talking to uh, Max Patrick Schlinger uh, about uh, an interview I did for a piece called A Compelling Theory on Why Social Media Promises Fun but ultimately it leaves us bored and listless.
5: I think it's a great thing that we've been entering into an era where mental health is much more at the forefront of our attention. Mm-hmm. You know, Folks are much more open about their internal struggles. And yet, in spite of that, we are, I mean, for lack of a better metaphor, we're going around chain-smoking and encouraging others to do the same and the thing that's really interesting to me is that all the hallmarks of addiction are in there and so you know when you start scrolling when you start looking at this low effort content it's hard to stop and you tend to snarl at anybody that says hey you know smoking is bad for you
1: (laughs) yeah I yeah I think that's a great point and why is it that is it because it's just so ubiquitous that none of us want to admit that this might be something that's horrible?
5: Well, you know, to uh, use another metaphor that we've started to see more and more, we are consuming junk food. And I think this is one of the reasons why A, it's appealing and B, ubiquitous. And I think both of these play into one another where, you know, we have these fast paced lives we have all of these responsibility, and yet we would probably have more free time if we didn't devote our free time to something that is ultimately going to drain our motivation. So I realize that I'm being a little bit uh, cryptic with that. Let me give you an example. We wake up in the morning, and perhaps we're not immediately ready to start work or if it's our leisure time, reading a book or creating something. So the first thing that we do, we start scrolling through social media. Mm-hmm. We've told ourselves this is a much easier thing to do. You know, this, this is going to give us some amount of fulfillment if we can just see the things that are going to uplift us or are going to make us think or are going to educate us, you know, provide some sort of intellectual or emotional benefit. But the problem is, as I wrote in my piece, it's virtually impossible to ever get to that point because the investment that you make in this, the amount of attention that you pay is always going to be at a deficit when compared to the benefit that you're getting back from all of this low effort noise.
2: And now, do you think you're, <clears throat>
5: excuse me,
2: a better person than the week before?
1: Well, you know, I, I'm going to say this. Um, I, I ordered the book Atomic Habits.
2: Yes, I know this one.
1: And I remember you saying that you have it but you haven't read it yet.
2: Right, but any day now I'm about to revolutionize my life.
1: So I figured I'm gonna try to read it before you read it. Just so I could be <laughs> I, I could be a better person than you. And I can maybe do like a condescending book report maybe yes. on the show at some point where I explain to you what I read because I actually took the time to do it. Instead oh, I like of binge watching the Stasi hour Uh, i like
2: that you see you think that i am gonna be like no no i'm competitive we can't do this and then you're really gonna you know gonna sock it to me but i'm like yes do that explain the book to me i need cliff notes
1: that's not fun then
2: i mean oh no 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 Uh, uh, i can't have this
1: i'm gonna read the book myself and then one day just one day out of nowhere you're gonna be like todd Your habits are atomic.
2: (laughs) Todd, when I stand near you, my cells rapidly divide and change.
1: That's right. What's
2: going on?
1: I woke up at 6.30 this morning and I started writing. And then after that, I (laughs) threw some stuff away. Uh, I called my congressman about an important issue. And I now make 45% more money. Oh my god that's atomic
0: upworthy Upworthy weekly
2: uh todd did you hear about this crazy story where uh and here's the headline tom hanks surprised a bride on her wedding day quote i just became speechless i allison rosen am speechless reading this this is by shandany g and it ran on thursday So Tom Hanks was in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, filming the movie A Man Called Otto when he decided to photobomb a wedding next door. Bride Grace Gwaltney was about to enter her wedding ceremony at a hotel in Pittsburgh when uh, she saw someone who wanted to come up and congratulate her. She thought it was just a passerby wanting to say congratulations, but uh, lo and behold, It was not just any passerby. It was Tom Hanks. She heard him say, hi, I'm Tom Hanks. (laughs) And then she froze. Luckily, the wedding photographer was there to get a lot of photos. Uh, Hanks asked if he could take a photo with the bride. uh, And he did. And a lot of the bridal party. And the photographer said, you always think when I meet a celebrity, I'm not going to be one of those crazy screaming people. But no, no. I immediately started screaming, because it's Tom Hanks. You're never prepared to meet Tom Hanks. Uh, and then apparently also like half of the bridal party were still in limos, and Tom Hanks was like, get him out, get him out of there, you know, come come get him. And then Tom Hanks was trying to convince his wife, Rita Wilson, to get in the photo, and at first she was demurring, but then eventually she got in too. So they have photos with Rita Wilson. Um, and then there was a moment before the ceremony where the bride and groom were back-to-back, praying together and they were back to back so that the groom wouldn't see the dress and she said to him Luke we met Tom Hanks (laughs) (laughs) now they are all and this uh they they were interviewed on the today show about it they are all presenting and by the way it was like Tom Hanks photobombs Another wedding or like photo bombs again. So I guess this is a thing that Tom Hanks does. And they are all presenting this like, what a great guy. Can you believe he did this? And I can see the appeal of this at the same time. Well, I okay, I was going to say at the same time, like I feel Tom Hanks, I feel like you're upstaging the natural splendor of these people's weddings. Like this is supposed to be a moment between the bride and groom. And she's like, psst. We met Tom Hanks at this. <laughs> hey, Luke, guess what? At this, So that was my first reaction. At the same time, now that I think about it, if this happened at my wedding, I would just be like, this is so friggin' cool. This makes for an amazing story, and I'm actually happy that this happened. So I take back my initial cynical response. I actually think this is a fun, whimsical thing, and that's cool that Tom Hanks has this self-awareness of what he represents and how fun it is when people get uh, have a Tom Hanks sighting. So I actually have done a complete 180 on this. You go, Tom Hanks.
1: It, you know, it's not like, you know, O.J. shows up to your wedding. You're like, oh, crap. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> hey, it's Bill Cosby, everybody. Oh, no. You know. Right, right. But, you know, the funny thing is, like, there's some of those people who are, like, O.J. or whatever that – like you like see
2: Cato Kalin or something.
1: You see photos of like OJ around. Like he went to a Buffalo Bills game where he used to play for the Bills. Uh, I know you knew that. Uh, I knew. I knew that he went to the game. It's like all these people are juice and giving him high fives and taking photos and just being famous. Even if you're OJ, people are positive to you, which is wild. You know, there
2: was the weirdest period of time. This was back in the early two thousands. Uh, no, I oh wouldn't know. Maybe like mid, mid, early two thousands, where Phil Spector started hanging out around Orange County with my group of friends, or he was hanging out at, at these few music clubs in Orange County and befriended my group of friends, and so they were hanging out with Phil Spector. I was not, but they <laughs> were, and I remember thinking, "You guys, this is what's going on. Like, has everyone forgotten?" That he is but a murderer. I don't know if he had been charged yet. I forget like what was going on in the timeline, but it was clear that he was most likely a murderer, but because he was Phil Specter, he was he received a pretty warm reception and it was very bizarre.
1: you know, there's certain things it's like he produced a Beatles album. You know, there's certain things that are almost make you beyond reproach. You know, he created the right. wall of sound. I'm not saying it's right, but I mean, yeah. I think in the back of people's minds. Well,
2: right. He's an icon. He was an icon. And these were all musicians. Yeah. Um. And so I think it. Yeah, there was this like very kitschy aspect to it. And I think they were all very you know taken with his iconic status but at the same time i just couldn't get past the dark side of it
1: <laughs> the murderer part of it mm-hmm. now do you think i might be overthinking this but okay when tom hanks he greeted the bride he the bride. said hi i'm tom, I'm tom hanks. hanks right i don't i think he just says could just say hi i think maybe putting mm-hmm. his whole name in there is like some kind of mock humility Cause everybody knows yeah. who Tom Hanks is. Right.
2: Although have you noticed that he signs his tweets Hanks? Yes. That's weird.
1: Yeah. Uh so I mean, I'm thinking like if I was Tom Hanks level famous and beloved, I don't know if I'd roll in with I'm Todd Perry. I'd just say, Hey, it's Todd.
4: Mm-hmm. Or
1: maybe just hey because you know who I am and it's weird if I presume you don't know you know what I'm saying when you're at that level of famous you know everybody knows who you are right
2: but I think it's it's weirder if you presume yes but I think it's weird okay it's like this okay when someone calls you on your cell phone you know who it is do you act like you know who it is when you answer or do you do you still do the hello you know hello as if you don't know who it is hello
1: I think I get right into
2: I know who it is uh, okay. Yeah, I still do the hello as if I don't know. But I rarely answer my phone. I'm not a phone person, really. So yeah. I think it might be weirder for him to presume they don't know who he is. No. that's uh, Sorry, that was your point. I'm dis- Whatever your point is, I'm disagreeing with it. <laughs> Make note of that.
1: <laughs> oh, man. Well, I'd like to thank everybody for listening to Upworthy Weekly with Todd Perry and the wonderful allison rosen who when she you know does meet and greets with her listeners at events walks up and goes hi i'm allison rosen yeah and they're like i think that's humble we bought tickets to see allison rosen we know who you know
2: i guess you're right please leave Tom a hanks review. and i that's what we do you yeah, please leave a review i've talked over the most important part leave a review we love your reviews we would like to read them and we like to read them on the show thought you heard it all right
0: upworthy weekly was produced by todd perry follow upworthy on all socials at upworthy allison is on twitter at allison rosen and todd at todd a perry that's todd with one d questions comments or to tell us about your amazing week email us at upworthyweekly at upworthy.com i'm marley Balin. have a great week